All right, so I'm here with Urban, Caitlin, and Alan to talk about the web images and other things, but we're starting with Urban with PFSense. Uh, PFSense is finally gonna add TailScale as a package. I am very excited about this. I love TailScale. It's a split ton of VPN that can get you back to your home lab or your home infrastructure with quite ease. So I can be out and about mm -hmm. and I can connect back home to all my devices at home. And it, it was only like a five minute setup. It wasn't complicated. It didn't take a bunch of logs, didn't take a bunch of, uh, I needed to know all kinds of configuration settings. It's very easy and straightforward. And now PFSense is adding that to, um, to their OS. So you can connect back home or wherever that router is with ease. Ah, maybe I need that. Right now, my home stuff is somewhat directly exposed to the internet so students can access my private cloud machine. Passing through like PFSense would be wiser. Oh yeah, this, this thing is gonna make your life easier. Okay, well, that's a good one. All right. And uh, I saw, I didn't, I didn't realize this, most of the world, most of the nations, the normal birth control pill that women take is an over-the-counter, not prescription. I've been used to it in America. You have to get a prescription, but this is apparently completely unnecessary. And in response to um, the recent Republican uh, ending abortion rights and going after birth control rights, it is becoming an ish, uh, idea that they should just make birth control pills available over-the-counter. It seems like a very good idea to me. And uh, But one company, one particular brand of it has requested this approval from the FDA. From, apparently the others haven't. And so we'll see if they get approved. But that I think would be a really good thing uh, for women having more control over their bodies in America. I say the other one we talked about before is the uh, abortion pills, which uh, half of the Americans are now going to have to get illegally if they're going to get it at all. So... Uh, Make it easier to get birth control would be a good move, I think. And Caitlin has the biggest story in the world. Yes, this is the most important. This is the most important story we've ever seen. The Hubble, enough, the Webb, James Webb Space Telescope took its first images, and here it is. And here it is again. If you can, if you're watching on YouTube, these are the images. Oh, go on. The second link. There's five of them, and the others are even prettier. There's five links here. There's five pictures now. You hit the uh, second link. This Somebody is the second link, Sam. They, they've been releasing one by one. Yeah. Um, well, there were five, and I thought they were here. Let me take a look. Yeah. Um, yeah technical errors. <laughs> we're having technical difficulties, people. No, it's just taking a long time to load for me. Um, first images. Nope, nope. There's, there's a selector at the top. If you click the, the, NASA, the NASA TV link, nasa.gov web images, which I think is not the one you have. Try the second link in the news. NASA TV. Yeah, that's it. No, uh, no, no. Yeah, there, yeah, there it is. Wait, I don't know. You're somewhere funny. Here, I'm gonna send, I'm gonna put in the chat the link that goes to the right page. I don't know where you are. Um, uh, so there is a- um... Here's the link that goes to the right page. And then there is a selector to select the pictures. I, I went there. Yeah. So there is a selector for pictures here, the web space yep. telescope images. All right. I'm good. Let me share my screen. You're showing something strange that is not what I see. So the, these are all the images from the 
Okay. Yeah, there they are. Those are the ones. Good. Okay. Yeah. This yeah. is all we have. Okay. But they're mostly, you know, just nice things. Um, <laughs> that big nebula is awesome. The Karina uh, nebula. Uh, yeah. Um, yes. Uh, Stefan's quintet. Uh, uh, let's see. Oh, the Southern Ring Nebula is down here, which is good. Yeah. You, uh, now, you, I don't know if this is exactly from the web or not, but. It is, I think. And you okay. can also, if you blow it up, you can even see a galaxy in the left-hand corner of it. It's really very great. These are wonderful, fascinating images. Yep, there's a galaxy. Oh, there is a galaxy, one. yes. Yeah. Right. Well, uh, as you can see, people, the, uh, the images are coming in. Um, I've been busy all day, so I haven't been keeping up with all the new images coming in. Um, so let's go back to the article that I was talking about. So yeah, this is the first image that came in from the James Webb Space Telescope. And um, actually, I'll keep this up for right now. Um, yeah. uh, now, I am going to have to scroll down because I want to get the name of this right. Uh, it is the SMAX uh, 0723 Galaxy Cluster, uh, 4.6 uh, billion light years away. And you can see all these swirls here are from gravitational lensing. And it is absolutely beautiful. This is a deep field image, just like Hubble's deep field, except that it is extremely, you know, sharp and done relatively quickly. This is, like I said, the first image and it is great. So all those smeary things that look like comets, those are bent images of galaxies from gravitational lensing. Correct. That's awesome. Right. So what's happening is it's not just one galaxy or one black hole smearing these. It's a cluster of galaxies. Uh, when they act together, the gravitational lensing is so strong that the um, that the galaxies behind them actually get smeared. Yeah. So you can deduce things about the mass of the objects in between from that. You can. You can also tell from the Doppler shifting uh, which ones, which galaxies are the faraway galaxies and which ones are the close galaxies. So you can see the ones that are all smeared are all very much redshifted, it, it appears to be in this image. And that whole image is, they say, the size of a grain of sand held at arm's length. So it's a tiny, tiny piece of the sky. Right. This is a deep field image yeah. taken deep into, into the universe. Yep. That's great. Yep. I've always loved astronomy. This is great stuff. All right. And then uh, Alan has got, ah, the Abe cabinet. Let's... Yes, there's a lot of interesting developments uh, concerning the assassination of Shinzo Abe, former prime minister of Japan. And uh, the, the stories get stranger and stranger. Uh, in fact, they're getting downright bonkers at this point. And it's not just conspiracy theories. Um, the, the story is only just starting to get picked up in the US media and it's hardly getting any coverage in Japanese media. But it turns out that Shinzo Abe and a number of members, very influential members of his Liberal Democratic Party have very close ties to the Unification Church, which as far as most people know it, is the church with the, um, well, what are derisively called Moonies, yeah. the church that um, has the weddings of thousands and thousands of couples in a stadium all at once. But it's from uh, Which Korea. was presided over Reverend Moon who claimed to be the Messiah. Yeah. And um, this is a very much a fringe religious organization. I don't think that's a overstatement. It is called a cult by many people. 
Um, and in Japan, in particular, it is not highly regarded. It is definitely considered a cult in Japan too. It has a very tiny number of adherents, certainly less than 1% of the population in Japan. So the question is, why did Shinzo Abe and so many members of the Liberal Democratic Party have a close relationship with the Unification Church? And I should also mention that the, the, the guy who's accused of assassinating Abe was himself the son of a member of the Unification Church. And he was angry at the church because apparently his mother had donated all of the family's assets to the church and had bankrupted the family. So he was looking for revenge and he took it out on Abe. Um, and uh, so the, the Unification Church um, apparently has had a very close relationship with the Liberal Democratic Party going back to the 1960s. And this article from Nikon Gendai, which is a, a tabloid publication in Japan, it is not a mainstream and, or even highly regarded publication, but um, because mainstream media in Japan is not covering it, it, it does seem like a worthwhile article that was published in 2019, so years before the assassination. And this article spells out a number of relationships between the members of Abe's cabinet when he was in power and the Unification Church. Mm. Um, cabinet members such as the Chief Cabinet Secretary, uh, Minister of Internal Affairs and Communications, Minister of Health, uh, et cetera, all seem to have had close ties to the Unification Church. Whether or not they were members is unclear, but some of them had appeared in campaign, their own campaign events, in which they handed out not only uh, political flyers, but also flyers promoting the Unification Church. So these are behaviors that would suggest that not only did they, uh, were they reliant on, on support, political support from the Unification Church, but maybe they were also doing some proselytizing on behalf of the Unification Church. So it's a very peculiar relationship, and it's one that goes back over half a century, and um, it certainly uh, uh, seems to have wrapped up a number of very influential politicians to the extent that uh, the media, at least in Japan, has been avoiding the topic entirely. And the, the police uh, has also avoided mentioning the uh, connection between the Unification Church and the suspect of the, uh, the killing. So it's a story that's worth following in, in much greater detail because uh, it's just such an odd, odd story. I mean, there, there are definitely some political um, congruencies, shall we say, between the Liberal Democratic Party and the, the very strongly anti-communist attitudes of the Unification Church. But beyond that, it's just, it's, it's, it just doesn't make any sense why the most powerful political party in Japan would even bother to communicate with a, what is considered very much a fringe uh, cult movement in Japan. Yeah, I never thought of that. I thought they were mainly in Korea and America. I didn't even know they were in Japan. Yeah, they don't have many members. The church claims to have 600,000 members in Korea and 10 million around the world, but that's almost certainly an exaggeration. Uh, it's, yeah. It does not have a large following really anywhere. Um, although apparently the Reverend Moon did try to ingratiate himself into Washington politics after moving to the US in the 1970s. And the Unification Church does own the, uh, the publication of the Washington Times.
Yeah, when I was a kid, you saw them everywhere, but not in recent decades. Yeah, they really seem to have fallen out of favor, and they've they've had their own internal schism too. Um, his sons, one of his sons, was anointed the, the his successor, but then um, I guess his uh, the Reverend Moon's wife did not like the way the son was operating, and so she kicked him out. And now he runs what's called the Rod of Iron Ministries, which features uh, assault rifles very prominently in its religious services. That'll be a hit in America. Yeah, it seems to have a following. They've moved to Waco, incidentally, or nearby oh, Waco in Texas. What a good basically. idea. <laughs> okay. Well, no what's that? Deja vu. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, let's go back to Urban, who has the guy, an upgrade in Bluetooth. Yep. Bluetooth LE is finally going to start showing up by the end of this year. So it's going to be time to buy new devices. Wait, we already have Bluetooth LE, don't we? No, we don't. The, well, the, the standards started coming out in 2020, <clears throat> but it's finally finished. Oh. Yeah, it was talked about. But oh. you know, devices are going to start carrying LE by the end of this year going forward. And what will the advantage of that be? I don't know. It's new spec so it should be faster better stronger cheaper you know the usual i think i've seen some claims that it has some serious security flaws why am i not surprised yeah <laughs> but i don't know well, yeah i mean the, the thing about the bluetooth low energy is that it sort of pings out without doing the the traditional you know pairing mm -hmm. at least what i've seen oh. um so there's definitely some security stuff going on. So for example, uh, I don't know where I put it. Oh, here it is. Come on. Um, I was working with this device. It, it definitely has some sort of Bluetooth LE uh, built in. Uh, basically what this is, is a um, accelerometer slash magnetometer uh, kind of rolled up in one. So it, it sort of measures location and um, heading and movement and that kind of stuff. Uh, and you can connect to it uh, via Bluetooth low energy. And what you do is you just turn on the switch, it turns on, it starts blinking, you open up the app and just scan for devices. You just, and it sees this device and then connects to it and starts grabbing the data and anyone can do it. So, you know, there's nothing stopping Sam from opening up his phone, opening up the app, and then seeing what's, what this is uh, sending out. That's disturbing. It doesn't have the pin code or a password or anything. Nope. And a lot of, a lot of these low energy Bluetooth devices, um, wandering systems, just there's no, hmm. there's no way to, you know, secure it. Who needs security? Yeah, I think that's true of my CO2 monitor, too. I think that's how it worked. It just connected right away. Yep. Yep. You don't have to go into settings, pairing. Nope. Just open the app. Boom. Boom. You're done. Well, that's convenient. Yeah, it's convenient. I mean, convenient for the bad guys too. Yeah. All right. Well, Brian Krebs has an article about Experian, which is pretty amazing. Apparently, if you have an Experian account monitoring your credit history, anybody can take it over at any time by just registering a new account with the same email address. And then they will just assume that that's you. So people had their account stolen this way. 
there's no way to turn on two-factor authentication or anything. The new person changes the security questions. Now they own your credit account. And when the customers call and complain, the customer support can't help that at all. So the solution is to just do it again, make another new account with the same email address and steal it back from the crook. That's where it is. And this is pretty messed up. So uh, uh, Krebs is as usual publishing it and embarrassing them and hopefully they will make a change so they have a somewhat less ridiculously insecure system. And Caitlin has got uncontrolled rockets. Yep, yep, we got uncontrolled rockets over here, as always, apparently. So The Verge has an article written by uh, Justine Kalma talking about rockets that just come down to earth um, for no reason, you know, no planning. They just didn't think about it ahead of time. Um, there's, of course, the you, in space, of course, the old adage, what goes up must come down does not necessarily apply. But in the case of a lot of these rocket parts, it still applies, um, even if they're up there for a few months or even years. And what's interesting is that apparently a paper uh, came out that said that within the next decade, there's a 10% chance that a piece of debris, a piece of space junk, will come down and kill somebody, which is not good. But of course, the people most affected by this are going to be people in the sort in the global south. So, you know, people without much economic resources to protest this. Um, and in fact, there have been already some close calls. Um, a 12 meter long pipe of debris um, from China's Long March 5B rocket landed in two villages in the Ivory Coast. So, you know, and with space exploration ramping up, this is gonna become more and more common. And so why does this happen? Well, think about a rocket launch in its stages. You wanna put a rocket into geostationary orbit. So what you would do is you would have various stages, you know, in the first stage or the first two stages would get it up into a, um, uh, you know, into like a geotransfer orbit. So what a geotransfer orbit is a highly elliptical orbit, uh, basically a Hohmann transfer between uh, Earth's low, uh, you know, low Earth orbit environment uh, to, to a geostationary environment. And so you have this rocket debris uh, taking, or, or this rocket that went into this orbit and left the payload to, to you know, make itself into a geostationary orbit. Uh, but it still orbits in this highly elliptical pattern for years and years and years. And every time it passes close to Earth, the atmosphere slows it down a little bit. And it goes back out to, you know, geostationary orbit, comes back, slows down a bit more. Eventually, it slows down enough that it just crashes randomly. There's no rhyme or reason. It wasn't planned. They just, the planners of the mission weren't thinking that far ahead. And like I said, there's a 10% chance that in the next 10 years, if we just keep doing what we're doing, um, someone can get very hurt by this. So we should probably change. There's not that many places people are living on earth. That must mean an awful lot of junk is falling down and hitting the ground. Yep. I mean, most of the time when things fall down from the sky randomly, it's going to land in the ocean. Right. Um, and you won't see about it or it'll blow up in the atmosphere, but there's, yeah, a lot of junk coming down and all you need is one piece of junk to hit the wrong place and somebody gets hurt. And like I said, there's only a 10% chance Right, in right. the next decades, which is still pretty low. I mean, chances, 90% chance no one's going to get hurt. But still, I mean, if I said 
you know, there's 90% chance, you know, you won't die when you go to work today. Are you going to go to work? I mean, <laughs> probably stay home, right? Depend on other things. Yeah. All right. Yeah. yeah. Oh, good. All right. And Alan has got Uber. Yes, there's a big story coming out of the Guardian. It's called the Uber leaks. And uh, th this is uh, nearly 20 gigabytes of mostly communications, emails, WhatsApp messages uh, amongst Uber executives, including former CEO and uh, disgraced founder, uh, uh, Mar uh, uh, Travis Klanek. And uh, this leak came from a former executive at Uber, the head of European lobbying, a certain Mark McGann, who shared this with the Guardian. And there are, are some rather damning communications in this tranche. Um, it includes statements from uh, both, both Kalanick and other uh, executives at Uber saying things like we're effing illegal and uh, we're pirates and uh, doing engaging in a number, number of practices that they knew were very clearly illegal, but their entire MO, and this is what they did in cities and countries around the world, was to uh, break things first and then ask for permission later. And so they um, started operations in a number of cities. And when they ran into legal problems, they relied on their very large lobbying budget and connections to then get meetings with various politicians, including um, uh, Joe Biden and Emmanuel Macron of France. And that these meetings actually resulted in substantive policy changes and legal changes by these various governments. And those are only the most famous politicians. So I don't think all of the details of these communications have been released yet, but this is definitely a story worth following, a very interesting one. Um, I don't know what kind of legal jeopardy Uber is in as a result of these communications coming to light, but it is very clear that they knew they were engaging in illegal activities and that they went ahead and did it anyway, and that they often did so without any regard for the people they were employing either, the, the drivers specifically. Well, you know, I think uh, this is the typical tech bro stuff. They thought they were saving the world, uh, improving everything, disrupting things, and the old rules were not worth paying attention to. Yeah, except in the case of Uber, I don't think they actually believed they were improving anything. Well, they kept saying it was going to save, uh, you know, other people driving and cut down any emissions and stuff, which wasn't true, but that's what they claimed. No. Actually, the opposite turned out to be true. Yeah. Uh, it seemed like that was just a good cover story for their attempts to monopolize the transportation industry. Yeah, yeah. But most uh, tech bro disruptors say that. We're, we're improving the world by getting rid of this old system and everyone should be grateful. Yes. And fortunately, we've gotten away from most of that disruption talk. That, that word just isn't fashionable anymore. Yeah, I guess so. I think Facebook is still moving fast and breaking things, but even they, maybe they're changing their mind about that. Yeah, I, I don't think they even say that anymore. Okay, they used to. That used to be their slogan. Yes, it used to be, yeah. But now that they're very much a behemoth and an incumbent, they don't want to break things anymore. They just want to maintain. Well, now they want to make the metaverse. That's the whole thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. All right, and Irvin can steal your car. 
Yeah, I <clears throat> found this story uh, very similar to uh, what people are doing with the flipper. Yep. So using the, the Porta Pack, they've captured the signals off of uh, Honda cars and can replay them to unlock and turn on and do everything. So the Honda cars, you cool. play the signal, you don't even have challenge response or anything? You no, know, because it's the car. Why would it? So you, you can just steal Honda cars easily. Yeah. Can you do it with a flipper zero? That's, I mean, as long as you have, as long as you listen for it and you capture the signal, you can replay. What, so, what frequency is it on? They don't, I, I haven't read the full document that they put out. Uh, they did make a CVE for it. And you can look it up. It's, it's the rolling cone. Yeah. I've heard about it a few times. It does sound really damning. But I yeah, they, they don't say in their site, they don't say what, what frequency. Yeah, I wonder what, uh, what hardware you would need. This would be pretty awesome to try out. I mean, from the videos that they put out, you could just use a Hack RF. Yeah, sounds great. We should we yes. totally find a Honda and try this. Yeah, right? so the, the Hack RF works on pretty much any frequency between, you know, 50 megahertz to six gigahertz. Uh, but the um, the Flipper Zero only has like, I think a 433 megahertz antenna for, and, and I mean, and that's used for a lot of IoT devices. And it would not surprise me if these cars were running on uh, 433 megahertz, so. Yeah, well, they gotta find a Honda and try that. That would be awesome. Anyway, they, so the FTC, has ordered the telephone carriers to stop delivering those auto warranty robocalls. And that sounds good, but this raises in my mind the question, wait, they could have done that all along. Why aren't they stopping all the stupid robocalls if they can just do it? What's going on here? <laughs> I, I This needs more explanation and I'm not finding it here. Um, so the telephone carriers could just stop the robocalls anytime and they're just not bothering or what? They're waiting to be ordered to. Anyway, maybe they'll stop that one kind of spam, but uh, I want a more full explanation than I'm hearing so far in the, this article. Uh, anyway, and then Caitlin has got the Russian anti-tatellite laser. So this would not be news with Sam without space lasers, <laughs> giant space lasers, mind you. <laughs> and so space.com has an article about uh, written by Brett Tingley talking about anti-satellites uh, space lasers, um, or I should say ground lasers to space to take out satellites, uh, being found in Russia. And I got pictures, so <laughs> let's take a look. Um, so the, the original data comes from the Space Review, um, and they found it in this area here in Russia, which is the near the Krona Space Surveillance Complex. Um, and we can see some images here of the uh, complex itself and how it works. And you have like these three lasers that uh, shoot laser beams at directed laser beams up at various space satellites. And um, you, we got some more satellite imagery here of the complex uh, and it's various design features. Oh, so, so lovely, so lovely. And we, are, we even have schematics of some of the space lasers. <laughs> this is amazing. Um, so it's, it's fully laid out here about what they're doing. Uh, full schematics. If you want to build your own at home, kids, <laughs> there you go, your own uh, lasers to take stuff out in space. Now, what's really interesting um, is that 
uh, one of the reasons that uh, Russia is developing these um, these space lasers is to take out, or, or presumably to take out Starlink satellites, which is a privately owned satellite network. And so, um, you know, it, it's we're in this really weird space where, and, and we talked about this before, where private industry is sort of getting inadvertently involved in geopolitical issues, especially when, they, when they're dealing with uh, technology or assets that fly over the airspace of, you know, other countries. Uh, and especially when those assets are being used to, for example, give internet to the Ukrainians. <laughs> so... Uh, yeah, so yeah, big space lasers. We found them. Russia's wants to fire them at uh, at Elon Musk's uh, Starlink network. So, so what do the lasers do? Do they permanently break the satellites? Do they vaporize them? How powerful are they? Um, that's a good question. Uh, so, one of the main uses of, of very powerful lasers is to essentially blind satellites. Right. Uh, if they have any imaging sensors, you can knock them out. Um, you can also just pump them so full of radiation uh, that they overheat and, you know, fail, essentially. Um, these are, um, and, and this is called laser dazzling, uh, yeah. where you just fire, you know, <laughs> very powerful lasers at, uh, at your enemy's satellites and it to take them down. Um, and so, like I said, yeah, there, there's different attacks you can do with these, these lasers from minor attacks uh, to, completely, you know, overwhelming the systems and having them overheat and have the systems fail. So. Yeah. Sounds exciting. Hopefully they don't break junk off them and make more junk. Um, I mean, seems like that would not likely yeah. happen with lasers. I mean, I, yeah, I don't know really that the debris field that's created with lasers, I imagine it's more like lasers sort of act like EMPs, right. but I also imagine if you get them hot enough, there's going to be some ablation. Um, it's hard to believe you could project that much power focused that well from the ground, but yeah. Um, but apparently it does work. Like I said, it does. I'm not an expert. I've been briefed that these weapons do in fact exist though. Oh, yeah. um, and that they can be used to take out uh, satellites. So well, now how to build them, what their exact megawattage is, even though there are schematics here, you know, I, I don't know the details. Uh, apparently there's a pulse repetition rate of about three kilohertz and they emit about 1.64 mic at 1.604 micron, which is the near infrared. Yeah. Um, and they, yeah, they're like 11 meters long. I mean, they're giant lasers that shoot stuff into space. Yeah, I, I, the lasers I used in the 80s were based on these military lasers. They've existed for a long time. If you're willing to make your laser the size of a whole building, you can shoot down planes and stuff with it. Right. Um, yeah. So su supposedly they have a density, a power density of 0.1 gigawatts per square centimeter. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's a good amount of power hitting that. So, yeah. All right. And Alan has got something wrong at Meta. Yeah. There's an article from Wired Magazine about Meta's censoring of any content pertaining to abortion. Um, and this was apparently started long before the recent uh, ruling by the Supreme Court that effectively overturned Roe v. Wade. This is just anecdotal information or evidence um, based on some interviews 
with uh, various moderators of groups on Facebook that um, discuss abortion and abortion services. But uh, it does seem that, uh, that there was a pattern of suppressing um, both posts and sharing of any abortion related content on the Facebook platform for some years, going back several years. Um, and that, um, that these conversations were in no way illegal. Um, it was not about sharing uh, access to um, uh, abortion drugs, for example, is just informational and strictly informational. So that's about all the information that this article provides, but it would be very interesting to know if um, there's more st systematic study of this phenomenon and uh, what exactly was and is Facebook's policy and how were they enforcing it? Yeah. I mean, they're a private company. They have the right to, to block any content they want, but it'd be nice if there was some policy and consistency to it. Right, exactly. Um, and so this raises the question of, well, were they blocking it because of some kind of internal ideological position uh, of Mark Zuckerberg, which would be odd given that his wife is an obstetrician, if I'm not mistaken. Oh. Um, or yeah. was this Facebook preemptively trying to avoid criticism by Republican lawmakers for somehow uh, spreading information about abortion. I don't know. It would be very interesting to know at what level this decision was made um, and who was responsible for it and uh, how it was enforced exactly. But it's clear that it, it was, at least anecdotally, it was enforced for a very long time and that these private Facebook groups did have issues with content being taken down uh, especially links to information. And, you know, this, this is, of course, abortion at the time was legal everywhere in the U.S. So this should not be restricted content. Um, yeah. It may well be within Facebook's uh, legal right to restrict access to it, but that would also be inconsistent with a number of their publicly stated positions, too. Yeah, it's not the first time that's happened. No, definitely not. Yeah, and Facebook is very far from transparent. We may never know what happened. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, that's it for this one, and we'll be back on Friday. <laughs>